good evening everyone thank you so much for logging in today uh, so today we have invited aprajit bandarkar from varenium and uh, he is running a fund called varenium next gen fund so basically the whole idea is to understand more from him in terms of you know how this fund is positioned and how do we uh, sort of participate in the digital story of india so aprajit uh, brings about almost 18 years of experience in the industry and before taking over this fund uh, Uh, as a fund manager and a portfolio manager he was associated with yes bank and he also had an opportunity to work with uh, reliance jio uh, the payment gateway so at yes bank he was the president heading their merchant banking and jio payment he was the one who was instrumental in terms of conceptualizing the payment aspect so he is a he is an mba uh, from nyu and he is also completed his cfa and chartered accountancy and now he is uh, he is one of the uh, uh, i would say uh, uh, one of the participant or investor in the fund so he himself invested uh, all his money in the fund so he's got complete skin in the game and he is running a fund called varenium next gen fund so today uh, prajit firstly let me uh, formally welcome you on the show of ask the expert uh, so prajit what we do is every uh, month we invite industry experts like you and why we call it ask the expert is because uh, we invite industry expert uh, like you and we understand more uh, in terms of uh, you know how how the markets are headed how do you see how, what is your approach how do you invest your own money and then we also have a meaningful conversation more sort of interactive conversation with our investors wherein the whole idea is to exchange ideas with each other and uh, you know resolve their queries as well So, so over to you, Aprajit. Uh, if you could just give us the understanding about, you know, how India is positioned uh, at this point of time in terms of digital play, and how do we participate in this uh, growth journey, and how do we uh, create wealth? So, over to you, Aprajit. Thanks, Vikas. Uh, so, uh, good afternoon. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, and uh, taking out your valuable time. uh i would just want to make a quick introduction so the way we will do this is about i want to do the first next 15 minutes i'll make a quick presentation uh the presentation will cover the india landscape fintech opportunity etc our firm and what we do and the second is after that we will do a q and a for about 20 25 minutes as many questions come up uh to quickly give you a this thing uh my view is that startups are emerging as a new asset class and uh, as such uh, the uh, startup assets itself have grown dramatically in india in the last 10 years uh, if you looked at united states in say 2005 6 they had a few big companies which was google facebook uh, amazon etc and now india is somewhere there we where we have likes of flipkart and a bunch of flipkart and paytm etc and a bunch of others where there is a new age happening so 10 years ago india had no fintech unicorns or no unicorns as such we didn't have a single company which was a startup which was more than a billion dollars today we have about 38 companies which are counted as unicorns as a 31st december i'm sure we added a few more in the last two months uh last year we to interrupt aprji there are few investors who who are who needs to understand more about what do how do you call unicorn and what definition that you look at uh, so a unicorn is investor yeah a unicorn is defined as a startup in which some investor has come and put a substantial amount of money at a valuation of 1 billion dollars or more so if someone comes and puts say 30 40 100 million dollars in a company at a valuation of more than a billion dollars then that company is counted in the unicorn list uh, there are some companies who actually have not got that investment but for a long time they have managed they have been counted as unicorns also just because they are making that much revenue someone like zero da for a long time wasn't actually uh, had got a lot of revenue they were making more than 300 crores of revenue but they had not raised capital 
So some people take the liberty of counting them in that unicorn list. Now, of course, Zerodha has raised a little bit of capital. So that is the definition of a unicorn. Uh, so in the last 10 years, we have added about 38 unicorns, 11 years, and of which last three, three of those 11 years, first eight years, we only added 10, and last three years, we've added 28. So we've gone from adding one unicorn a year almost to about one a month. So last year, we added 11 unicorns. And the value of all these is about $125 billion. So about 10 lakh crores is the value that has been created in terms of capitalization by these companies. The second part is fintech. So what is fintech is defined as a convergence of finance and technology to make things better. A simple example of fintech would be 10 years ago, we used to go to a, a, to a shop and swipe a credit card or a debit card, or we used to go out and you know pay cash. Today, for instance, you can just, you need not carry a wallet, you can just take your mobile phone and make payments at shops using, uh, uh, you know, a UPI or a payment technology or a Paytm or a uh, Google Pay, etc. So that is one example of fintech. Uh, fintech is one of the largest sectors globally of the 570 unicorns worldwide, 75 or about 15% are in the fintech space. In India, of the 38 unicorns, about eight are in the fintech space. So about 20, 20 odd percent is in the fintech space. Uh, this is very similar to what the market capitalization of finance is, which is north of 25% of the uh, market cap comes from financial services. So this is reflecting that and fintech spreads across the, across the spectrum. So it is not affected by the by a single activity in the economy. Like there are some unicorns which are travel and tourism. Last year they saw a substantial dip, but fintech companies continue to grow because they get payments or insurance, etc., from various verticals. So that's the second part. The third part is how much money has been raised by these fintechs in India. Just the larger companies have raised more than. $13 billion or more than 1 lakh crores. The largest being Paytm, which has raised more than 22,000 uh, crores. Uh, others, other companies in this space in alternative lending, insurance tech, investment tech have all raised each in the range of more than $500 million, more than 3,000 crores in many of these companies. And some of these companies, if you had put money in, you could make money from anywhere from 20x to more than 200x. to build a fund catch up is also 10%. So we expect to do about 25 to 28% IRR post our fees and carry but pre our uh, pre our uh, pre the taxes. So hopefully we will do about 3x to 4x in terms of uh, returns. We expect about a 14% of our startups to fail completely and some to sort of do just about average to return money. But we expect about two thirds of our portfolio to give 2x to 30x return, which can potentially give this sort of yield to our investors. Uh, we have made two investments so far. Hopefully early next week, we will close our third investment. We have made an investment in a company called Home Capital. This company is helping uh, millennials buy housing by helping them with their down payment assistance. This company has seen a fantastic growth between 
September till last year, they had some challenges because of COVID, because housing sector was shut. But from September onwards till March, they are seeing fantastic growth. They yesterday did their first securitization deal as well, where they downsold some of their portfolio to uh, NBFC and are beginning to make yields there as well. There are about seven to 10 investors who have committed some capital to them. And hopefully within the next six months, there will be a round of about 40 crores or so in this company. Hopefully this should see an appreciation of between one and a half to two X. The second company we invested in was Riscovery, which yesterday there was a newspaper release. This company has just raised $5 million Yesterday, we came in in May last year where we invested at about $4.75 million valuation. This valuation has now become $17 to $20 million. So our investment has appreciated between 25 to 3x in nine months on this investment. We are making our third investment hopefully early next week. The due diligence has been done and the SHA has been almost finalized. So hopefully we are going to do that. Uh, just a bit about the team itself. My background, uh, Vikas covered, but to quickly say, I have been the, I have been at Yes Bank for about uh, 11 years, in which time I have raised about 5,000 crores of capital for Yes Bank itself and about uh, 2,000 crores of capital for our clients through IPOs. Uh, I have been the head of strategy for Geo Payment Bank and I was also an investor at a company called Dice Fintech Ace, which was a fintech accelerator and fund in which we made investments and one of those investments has returned more than 100x in terms of outcomes. The head of our firm is a gentleman, founder of our firm is a gentleman called Anand Krishnan. He was a, he's also an MBA from NYU Stern, so I know him from my alumni association. Uh, he has done his engineering from IIT Roorkee, a CFA, and he's also done a FRM. He has more than 25 years of experience in portfolio management and risk. He was uh, ex-CEO of Relegate Portfolio Managers, and uh, he started his career with Shambhai Capital, with Goldman Sachs Asset Management in New York. Then he uh, was with Shambay Capital. Then he came to Prime PMS in India and that company sold to Relegate Portfolio Managers. And he was a CEO of Relegate Portfolio Managers and he bought out that company to rename it to Veranium. So this company, Veranium, has been in existing for existence for the last 12 years with Anand, but under three different names. My research head is a gentleman called Vikram Pandya. Vikram is, has been in my team at Yes Bank. And then he was advising Yes Bank on their, on their uh, fintech initiatives. He also is the director of fintech at SPJ Institute of Management, which is ranked one of the top five programs for fintech all around the world. He also teaches at ICA on weekends occasionally and he has been awarded the educator of year by ICAI and Nitin Gadkari gave him this award in the month of January and he's also been included in the central government committee for entrepreneurship and innovation so that is Vikram uh, on our advisory board is a gentleman called Jitin Gupta he is the founder of Citrus Citrus was sold by him to Naspers for uh, $130 million, which is more than a thousand crores. This was the largest purchase uh, by a foreign company of an Indian startup before Flipkart was sold. Uh, post that, he was the CMD of PayU in India. And now he has been, he has set up a company called Jupiter, where he has raised more than 200 crores from likes of Sequoia, Bnext, etc. The second gentleman who is, and so Jitin is on our IC. The second gentleman is Pranav Pai. Pranav is the son of Mr. Mondas Pai and he's the founder of 314 Capital. They are also investors in our fund. 
the third person who is involved with our uh, with our uh, as an advisory board member is amrish rao amrish is the ceo of pine labs which is one of the fintech unicorns of india they have raised more than 350 million dollars of capital and he is involved deeply in the payment space prior to this he was the ceo of payu in india and a co-founder at cetris so that's a quick profile of our uh, advisory board what we look at is we look at product and tech we go deep into the product and tech we look at how large this space can be if the company succeeds we look at the team and see what the profile of the founders are and their experience we see how we can exit this startup and we also make sure that we have reasonable valuations we do give up startups where the valuations are not reasonable we realize that startups fail this is a data by a company called cb insights which is a worldwide leader in uh, startup understanding and their reasons for startup failures are that startups fail because they can't find the right kind of customers and the second reason is because they run out of cash uh, and that means that they can't find investors so we have addressed this by building a platform which addresses connects startups to investors and customers and we have collaborated with the government of maharashtra to set up a platform called mumbai fintech hub find which is a website which is there there are more than 1350 startups that have registered for this Uh, more than 1500 actually startups that have registered for this website of which 95 we have reviewed and approved and uh, after verification etc and these startups pitch to investors and do pocs with corporates and whenever we see that there is some traction on the pocs and pitches we also look to invest into these startups in the past i have been a portfolio manager and i have made up about eight investments of these eight investments two have failed but the rest have succeeded uh, so one of these has uh, has had a potential return of 100x but most of them have returned enough money that within two years we have returned 2x return to our shareholders at more than a 50 percent irr and the balance shares itself are worth another 0.5 so almost 65% irr we have delivered in the past on our portfolio and one of the companies we invested in was bank open we invested at a 8 crore valuation this company now is raising money at 4200 crore valuation so this investment itself has multiplied 100x unfortunately the company that i was working for was shutting down due to financial reasons of their parent and this investment actually yielded about for two and a quarter crores that we invested we got 13 and a half crores within less than nine months weighted average holding but we could have done a lot better if we had held it a bit longer uh, our current portfolio comprises of home capital which we discussed this has been recently covered by jeffries which is one of the largest brokerages in india and uh, they had covered them in their annual uh, conference and they are seeing increased traction from investors in this company the second company we are seeing is uh, a company which is called discovery again this company is yesterday they closed their round and they are covered in the newspaper so this investment has already become 2.5x in value within 9 months uh the third one we are investing is a company that's doing that has more than 3000 active merchants more than 30000 merchants on board processing more than uh 800 crores of a month of transactions and they make uh, they are profitable so we are looking to invest in them in the next one week so that's that's from my side i open it to questions i will shut the presentation and leave it to vikas to ask questions yeah so uh, and also in the in the chat group if you all post any questions i'm happy to answer them yeah yeah so i was about to make this announcement so in case anybody has any question they can type in the question uh, in the q and a box and then i can reach out to aprajit and ask these questions on your behalf so aprajit uh, uh, where do you see this uh, uh, growth of the industry i mean 
Now, post-COVID, what was supposed to happen in 2025 is happening in 2021. So, where do you see the industry growing and how do we participate in this growth journey? So, what has happened is that actually we are beginning to see much better, stronger volumes post-COVID. One is that because of COVID, a lot of digitization has happened. I'll give you a simple example. In case of this company, Rescovery, when they we put money in them in May, they were supposed to do about uh, 20 odd company tie-ups by this year end. They already have 45 company tie-ups. Uh, they introduced a COVID product and they have marketed more than 2 lakh policies so far uh, within less than 8 months from the time we invested in them. So they are seeing, people are seeing advanced traction because people are buying things digitally now. Another example was this company we are now investing in is a company called EaseBuzz. That company initially provides payment services to cable operators. And because cable operators used to collect cash going door to door and collecting cash, uh, they actually realized that they had to collect money. So they created payment links for them and they started committing, collecting digitally. And they also managed to, then they have created direct transfer facility between the local cable operator and the larger company who they manage. And suddenly they are actually seeing that the both the players are happy because the money is getting split, transferred directly. And now after COVID also people are paying digitally. So they have not seen a drop off of large volumes who people have moved back to cash. So people are paying digitally and suddenly volumes are increasing. So this company, which was doing less than 100 crores a month of volumes is now in August is now doing about... 800 plus crores a month of volume now. So we are seeing an enhanced growth. I think India as a country should become, should have 70 to 80 unicorns by 2025, of which safely another 10 to 12 unicorns can be added to the fintech space. So if we hit one or two of them, we will have a more than adequate return in the fund. Other thing is, you know, generally people are a little scared when it comes to uh, a sort of disruption which can come in digital play very fast. So, what is your views about that? So, disruption is normal. The, the question is, in case of uh, disruption, people who are sitting on top of the system, like the banks, traditional insurance companies, etc can either get disrupted so many of these people actually are beginning to partner with the fintechs so that they are also able to keep abreast with the technology so for example today evening we are talking to yes bank we are talking to we also talked to deutsche bank where they are looking to partner with us to set up their platforms to connect startups to their internal systems uh, through api and sandboxes etc so, uh, you know, these larger players are also worried. So they are wanting to partner with these agile, nimble startups so they can also make sure that they are staying abreast. There's a question from Devendra. He yeah, asked, yeah, yeah. So he's asking that what is the kind of risk involved in investing in fintech startups? So, so uh, two, two or three major risks. The first risk is, I mean, this is a risk which is inherent with all startup investing, which is basically that startup investing is long term. So uh, my advice to investors is that they should allocate some money to liquid mutual and liquid products where if they need emergency money, that money is kept aside. They could have some exposure to general equity markets, but to diversify their portfolio, they should also invest in startups. But startups are illiquid because they are not listed investments and to sell anything can take three to six months. Now, I am holding an investment myself in my own personal capacity. I put money last year at 25 lakhs, it's become 60 lakhs. The founder has told me, I'll do another round, it'll become two crores. Now, I have to hold on to it to get to 2 crore. If I sell it at 60 lakhs, I'll get 60 lakhs. But in 6 months, I can make 2 crore. So, that sort of situation may be involved where the uh, 
you know you may have to hold for some time to get the optimum return on your investment so there is illiquidity and these companies are younger so i mean there are there have been frauds in corporate india but typically these companies are tiny they 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 unlikely to be frauds but there are likely to be these companies models don't succeed their models are new etc so the risk of early stage investment is slightly higher than later stage investing but if these early stage investments take off then they can the returns can be disproportionate as well so that is the two risks and the third risk is obviously every time you choose a portfolio manager the skill is involved by the portfolio manager so hopefully we get a few more right than other fund managers but that has to be seen so far we've not done too badly particularly if you look at the asset management domain uh, apurji so we, we are not witnessing too many approvals coming from the regulator so what is your views about that in which side you are talking of amcs or fintech amcs so fintech amcs uh, the recent regulations have been conducive uh, so they have put a sandbox which is there and there are a few mutual funds that have been set up Uh, digital mutual funds that are being set up with a lower capital threshold also some of them have actually pitched to us also uh, but this is actually the uh, sebi has to be cautious also because they want to make sure that things are working before they roll it out in the larger market so i think there will be a few new licenses which will come in in the next 2 3 years some of it is also because there is a 100 crore capital threshold requirement which they have set out uh, so maybe in a couple of years some of these players may be able to raise 100 crores and get that license also yeah so somebody was making a statement that eventually india will have more fintech than the actual active managers in the portfolio in the so, actually a lot of the so the point about active fund management is that in case of say venture capital there is we buy securities which are not available to the public like there is the company that we have invested in discovery is buzz home capital etc they are not listed and we make a bespoke investment where we do the due diligence we appoint a deloitte or we appoint a chartered accountant firm a law firm to do the due diligence into this company and then we make create a customized sha and we invest but in case of portfolio management which is same mutual fund or even pms not to sort of they also do an important function but those shares can be similarly replicated by the investor by buying in the market and there is these are frictionless buying because you can just go to zero da and pay 20 rupees a trade and get this done the the problem is that and a lot of etfs also compete with a lot of fund managers at much lower cost than the fund managers so in the long run in us only less than half of the portfolio is actively managed a lot of it is managed passively and there is going to be in india also that shift to passive management because it's very hard for active managers to out compete the market consistently the other thing is say you know if you look at particularly the microfinance companies and there i think the uh, the digital window is playing very well company like linden which is an online platform to support yeah. you know poor uh, farmers uh, is shaping up well so so what is your views and are you planning to add those companies in your portfolio as well so i am a bit cautious about about putting p2p it has been not so successful in uh, us or in in china it has been but there have been a few frauds in us it's had limited success uh, but there are a few companies that are doing well there's a company called liquid loans which now sort of takes money from individuals because today what has happened is bank fds are not giving any yield uh consequently if you want to get any yield you have to put money into some other security so there are companies like liqui loans which are buying out uh invoice discount discounted invoices and offering 10 12% to in, to people and who are they who are wanting to deploy up to 10 lakhs each and so they are able to generate some capital and deploy it with 
different other fintech players to do invoice discounting or to do some sort of transactions which are innovative so there is some market which is coming up but we have been slightly negative on the on the p2p space yeah but aprajit on the one hand you have you know reserve bank of india which is known as one of the most uh, structured uh, uh, you know regulator in, in the world and not india alone on the other side you have a uh, regulator like sebi for asset management and you know other regulators for uh, uh, you know controlling the lending business so particularly in fintech don't you uh, think that the risk level uh, uh, comes down dramatically as compared to other startup investing or what is your sense to some extent yes but to some extent no for example some extent the rbi regulations control some of these players like fintech in lending there is a lot of control because a lot of these players are getting nbfc license and are getting regulated by the reserve bank some of the players who are doing stock advisory etc are taking licenses from sebi so there is a certain amount of control but a lot of fintechs are also doing innovation and and some of them are also unregulated because the regulation may not be applicable to them or they are actually finding a spot between the regulated space and the unregulated space and are able to play there uh fundamentally the risk between fintechs and others is lower to the extent that fintechs are not as dependent on a single sector of the economy as other players but the startup risk is constant across between fintech and non fintech but fintech for example if you invest in a payment company for that matter say for example razer pay which is a large payment company versus say a make my trip which is a uh, online booking site which is also unicorn make my trip could have seen massive declines in their volumes because last year people stopped flying and traveling and booking hotels but razer pay saw a very small decline in volumes because though make my trip is their client and saw some decline of volumes from make my trip they also have hundreds of other clients who are doing transactions so overall and some of those clients also saw an increase because of the payment has moved to digital so that's something where there is sector agnostics in fintech helps reduce some of the risk the other thing is generally the large players like whatsapp of the world or googles of the world they generally don't allow startups to grow uh, so what is your sense i mean either they put some different strategy to take over the company or or how is it no so in india i don't think that's a challenge uh, though though uh, facebook has introduced whatsapp payment it's not taken off that much google pay is competing against paytm or some of these players but uh, i think there is enough space for everyone to coexist i don't think paytm has dramatically seen declines in volumes because of other players coming in there Yeah, Prajit, can you hear me? Please bear with us. I think he's just logged out, and he's going to join back now. Yeah, Prajit. Yeah, sorry. I think there was drop the line here. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So I was saying that uh, uh, what kind of companies that you look forward for in your portfolio? A and how do you how do you uh, filter those companies? Is there a parameter which is well defined by you, 
or how is it? How do you structure the deal? Company is already making some revenue and has tied up with some corporate clients or you know has figured out. Oh, the your voice is Can you come again? Yeah. 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 I think the internet connection here has been a bit unstable, but. So what we are focused on is trying to make sure that some of these companies are, uh, you know, or all the or most of the companies are basically making some format of revenue and have tie-ups with corporate customers, etc., which have got confirmed outlets of making revenue. Uh, but the core concept is that we look at the product in detail. For example, in case of EaseBuzz, we have gone and identified we've evaluated the product by someone like GTN and Amrish who are veterans in the payment space as a payments company. So they've looked at the product. We looked at the tech. We got the ex-CTO of PayU, which is one of the largest payment gateways to see this company. We've appointed BDO to now do the tech audit. Then we have looked at the target market, how big this can get. So we've looked at Razorpay, some of the other players worldwide and how much of the India market is unpenetrated. We looked at the team, what the backgrounds, how the smart they are, whether they can, they're sort of able to handle this business. We've looked at how we can exit. So we know there are people like GTN and Amrish are also investing with us and they have existed exited their previous company at a multi-bagger to their investors. So hopefully those are the things we look at. We look at very reasonable valuations. Uh, there is no secret formula. There is a certain amount of thing that we seek in terms of comfort with the founders. I have worked with some of the people in the industry who have been quite, uh, you know, challenging and have sort of, I've seen different people in the industry who have sort of done different things which are not, not great. So I can identify founders who are sort of may not be clean. So I am able to find out some founders and do background checks, etc. Hopefully we can avoid some of these people. Uh, so that's some of the things that we look at while we are making investments. Sure. So what kind of uh, returns one would expect by investing in the fund now? So we are carry, uh, but pre-taxes over a six-year period. I guess there's a question by Pooja. What are various upcoming future investment plans? That's what the question is. So uh, we are making, so hopefully EaseBuzz is an investment we are making. It's a company that's highly growing quickly and doing quick revenue growth and is doing well in the payment space. We are looking at a distribution company, which has grown quite rapidly in the last few months, which is set up about six, eight months ago, growing quite rapidly. They have moved from about, uh, about 10, 12 lakh revenue in, in October, November to now doing more than one crore revenue in the month of March and hopefully increasing. Uh, so we have got a pretty good deal because We'd invested with that founder in the in my previous entity, and hopefully, you know, and he had done well with that business. It's just that things didn't transpire well with his other co-founders. But now those co-founders are no longer with him, and we are hoping that he does well. So the previous investors from that deal are also coming out to this transaction. Uh, besides that, there are two, three other deals that we are evaluating. One is in the LRS space across borders where people are HNIs want to invest into American stocks. We're looking at that sort of a concept. There are other concepts also we are looking at in terms of onboarding technology to onboard customers with banks, financial institutions, etc. So few things. We also have a few friends of ours who are funds in Singapore, funds in uh, Bangalore, etc. who we co-invest with. Okay, so what is the duration, total duration of the fund and uh, so and how much you are taking now and what would be the drawdown period? So uh, the total duration of the fund is six years from the final close. We are expecting to close finally at the end of 
December this year. So hopefully we can close the fund by 20, December 2027. The duration of the fund is consequently, we can extend it by a year each getting three-fourth majority from the investors, but uh, you know, and the, the fee on that period will be a decline fee on just the balance amount. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the duration I have explained, the second question of that was huh, drawdown. Drawdown, we have drawn down 30 lakhs so far, another 15 lakhs is due in April, followed by 15 lakhs next October and 20 lakhs each in April 2022 and uh, October 2022. Okay, so anybody has any uh, question, please feel free to type in your questions and uh, then we can ask him. All right, some people are typing the question. So, uh, as you said that, you know, would it be uh, uh, fair to say that one can expect about 25 to 28% uh, IRR? Uh, yeah. Of this? We are hoping to deliver that sort of amount. And question uh, by Rajendra, it says, is it a PMS investment? Rajendra, the answer is no. Uh, PMS investments typically invest into publicly listed companies. Uh, this is a category one AIF, BCF, which is a venture capital fund. We invest into startups. So PMS fund managers can't invest into startups and we can't invest into public stock. Minimum investment as per Rajendra again, minimum investment is one crore. This is the SEBI regulation for so we are drawing down, we've drawn down 30 lakhs, we are drawing down another 15 lakhs and 15 lakhs in this year, another 40 lakhs in the next year, making it one crore. And appreciate for the benefit of everyone, can you, would you be able to throw some lights on the taxation, although you're not supposed taxation to? Is, taxation is typically most of the investments we'll hold for long term. The long-term capital gains, the, this is a pass-through structure. So whatever the fund makes is passed through to the investor. There is no double taxation. So, and there is no dividend distribution tax in this fund, but the tax on long-term capital gains is 20% plus surcharge and cess. So the average is about 24.29 or something like that. That's the number. Put together, okay. Yeah. For NRIs, we for domestics, we deduct 10% TDS and buy, give a tax certificate to that extent and the balance they have to settle in their returns. The For NRIs, we have to, we are compelled to deduct the whole amount and remit the money to them, whole amount of tax. They can obviously offset that if they have got other losses arising. But how do they see the appreciation coming in? Uh, because generally uh, the auditors, when they audit, you know, they would consider the conservative figures uh, and there is no so, index. So today, today, for example, the NAV is being recomputed. So hopefully we are going to arrive at an NAV and, uh, you know, we will inform you shortly because of this uh, investment appreciation. So the new investor will be coming in at a slightly appreciated NAV as against the initial 1,000 rupee NAV. So it should be around 1,100 where the new investors are coming in. Give or take 10, 15 rupees back or forth. Ankita has asked, what is the matrices for a unicorn? Is it defensible in its pattern? Why should the investor choose it? So Ankita, investors, there are larger investors which put money directly into unicorns like SoftBank or Naspers, et cetera. We typically find startups in the early stage and hopefully few of these companies will turn out to be unicorns or swinicorns. The matrices for unicorns are typically these companies have large number of customers and are able to grow quickly and reach some sort of revenue. Many of these companies may or may not be breaking even, so they might be burning money, but the, the main parameter for defining a unicorn is that some large investors come in and put a reasonable chunk of say 20, 30, 100 million dollars into these companies. And the, at the time of that funding, the 
valuation of that company was more than one billion dollars, or more than seven thousand three hundred crores. Is it defensible in its pattern? Uh, hopefully, these unicorns are large enough that they have created a sort of moat around them and have created large enough customer base to be able to sustain themselves and to be preventing newer customers from taking over. But that being said, you know, some of the times what happens is that technology is evolving quickly. So, for example, about five years ago, PayU was one of the largest payment gateways in India. Today, Razorpay is built newer technology and is competing against them very well. Uh, you know, there have been, and that has been the case. So, if you look at companies in the 90s, if you remember Yahoo was the dominant search engine and a few years later, there were 27 or 30 search engines and Google came through. So, uh, defensible, hopefully, yes. Sometimes, no. Post that, there has been any more questions? Mm. Just check the Q&A box. Yeah, so Nikita has asked, Oliver has asked, in case of early exit, say, third to seventh year, will the AIF facilitate exit? So the answer to that is that we are hoping we ourselves try and make the exits. Uh, many a times, so exits are challenging because if you make the exit too early, you lose money. And if sometime you don't make the exit, the company goes down, you lost money again. So it's a challenging process. Hopefully we are able to find companies to exit at the right time. And as and when we exit, we return the money to our investors. If, for example, we have made 20 investments and five remain unsold at the end of the sixth year, we may ask the investors to extend the fund for a year so that we are able to uh, sell off the investments during that period and return the funds to the investors. Nikita is asking, what is your view on the state on the statement that US regulatory environment is hindering future growth of fintech industry? I don't think US regulatory environment is hindering future growth of fintech. In India, there are some regulations which are preventing cryptocurrency, but we don't typically look to invest into that space. Pooja has asked, what are the various measures would you suggest to avoid corporate and international double taxation? Uh, hopefully you are in a jurisdiction, Pooja, that is uh, got a DTA treaty. If you have a DTA treaty, you shouldn't have a challenge. Whatever money we return to you, uh, you should be able, after you paid your taxes in India, hopefully you are able to, uh, no, you are not required to pay taxes in the country of your residence. But in case uh, there is, there, if you are living in the US, there are some regulations called PFIC, which may require you to pay taxes early, just on the appreciation, but where we have not paid out the money to you. And in the year when you, when we pay out the money to you, you may not be required to pay taxes. Uh, Olivier has asked, what are, what will the founders and the employees' personal contribution to the AIF will help to understand the skin in the game of the founders and the employees have to walk and talk? Yes. Oliver, the question, the answer is 10% of the fund is put in by the... Question. Pardon me? I said interesting question. So... Uh, Oliver, 10% of the fund's corpus is being put in by the uh, founders. Uh, so overall, the Envisage fund is 200 crores. Uh, and we have ourselves committed to put in 20 crores, 18 crores by Veranium Capital and 2 crores by me in my personal capacity. Uh, I have already put in my two crore commitment and Veranium has put in five crores. So we have got seven crores in the fund at the moment and externally we have raised more than 60 crores. So we are still at the 10% threshold and as and when there are more investors that join in, Veranium will keep putting in more so that they are more than the 10% threshold uh, throughout the fund life. Uh, our employees have put in, four employees have put in 25 lakhs each. Uh, 
so we have got one crore of our employee capital also involved into the fund. Uh, and as more investors come in, our corpus bloats and we keep deploying more capital from Veranium Capital into the fund. All right. uh, by, so Oliver, one more thing to sort of, uh, this thing in PMS as well as, so the minimum threshold for AIFs is that we have to contribute 5 crores or 10% or 5% or, or uh, sorry, 2.5 crore or 5%, whichever is lower. We are well above the threshold and we are contributing 10%. So we are higher than the SEBI requirement in case of PMSs and in case of uh, uh, mutual funds. Typically, fund managers have very little skin in the game. In this case, we have a lot more skin in the game. All right, so if there are no more questions, then uh, we'd like to conclude the call. Uh, I take this opportunity to thank all the participants for joining the call. Uh, and if you have any more questions, you can either uh, write me or uh, you can reach out to my team members also. Post this uh, session, we want to share the detailed uh, copy of the presentation with all of you. And I also would like to thank Aprajit for uh, joining the call. Uh, answering all the questions so patiently. So thank you so much for sharing the insights and uh, we look forward to work more closely with you. Thanks. Thanks, Vikas. Thanks everyone for joining and pleasure talking to you all. Thank you. Okay.